Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So let's go to you first of all, Tyler. Um, where did you grow up, my friend? I grew up in a small town called Honey Grove, Texas, which is uh, about two hours from Dallas. The, it's sandwiched between Sherman, Texas, and Paris, Texas. Those are the towns that people normally know. Because of the movie, right? Yeah. What a film. Ry Cooter did the soundtrack uh-huh. for that. Of course, which yeah. Is, so it's, you'll hear tonight in our walk-on like the tape that we play before our show, it's actually Ry Cooter, Paris, Texas. Oh, amazing. And our new record's called Truth and Lies, so I've edited all of this, um, just sort of speaking over that, you know, of people talking about telling the truth and speaking their truth and getting lied to and what's real and what's not. And But yeah, it's the soundtrack from Paris, Texas. That's amazing. what we walk out on stage to. And yeah. did you have, well, do you have brothers and sisters? Were you an only child? I what have was the one, family one little sister named Victoria. Yeah. And she loves music, but is not interested in the spotlight. She's not interested in playing music. She's not interested in singing. She just loves records. And uh, does that come from your folks? Were both your parents? No, I, I don't avid think music so. Listeners? I think it. It prob- I think a lot of Victoria and I's um, sort of obsession with music comes from being from such an isolated place. Right. You know, with where very there's, little to there's do. not a lot to do, and so you just you just put your headphones on and go to other worlds. And I know she listens to completely different kinds of music than I do, um, but she gets fully invested in these songs just the same way that I did when I was a kid and the same way I still do. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that's just 
uh, from coming from a small town where there's nothing to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know? And what about you, Caleb? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Winchester, Kentucky. Um, just right outside of Lexington. Um, I grew up around music. My dad was a musician. He was a music teacher, a choir teacher. Um, but didn't start playing until I was about 10. My parents surprised me with a drum kit, and I was obsessed from then on. That's cool parents right there, because yeah, a lot of the right? time when you go, Mom and Dad, I want to learn the drums, they're like, ah, ah. Yep, and, and too it loud. Did, sure, and it didn't even take <laughs> me asking. I think they just saw, like, uh, I had a cousin that played drums, and I, I started showing an interest and started banging on everything. Pots and, and pots and pans. And pans. Pots yeah, and pans. yeah, exactly, yeah. like the typical thing. And so they surprised me with the kit, and then it was full on. I was really big into sports, baseball guy, and I gave it all up the second I started playing drums, So and then never thought about it again. You know, so it was uh, from then on, I think, you know, I made, recorded my first record at 11. I was clueless. I knew like four beats and that I played those beats on every song. They didn't fit, but I played them anyways, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it kind of started. And how did you two meet and where and when? I uh, met Tyler in Nashville in 2009 is when we met in January. Uh, so at, coming at, up on 10 years? Yeah, coming up on 10 years. Or actually, no, 10 years. It'll be 11 in January next year. Wow. Because it's 2019 this year. So, uh, yeah, we met. Uh, he met Robert Plant earlier in the day. And uh, that's so a good I, day, right there. Yeah. So I got to have coffee with Robert Plant, and then just I met, by mistake, or how did that? Happen? No, it was um, a friend of mine had taken uh, the photograph of Led Zeppelin getting off of the jet holding the Masters. Um, I can't remember to which record it was. It was the first or second album, and he was going to get deliver a print to Robert Plant, and he said, "Do you want to come?" And man, I put my uh, Zeppelin shirt on, and then I put my leather jacket over it, and I zipped my leather jacket up so Robert Plant wouldn't see my Zeppelin shirt but I knew that it was there love it and we got to sit and talk with him for a couple hours and he was super kind and I told him I was looking for a drummer for a band I was trying to put together and he said oh well I'll, I'll call Jason Bonham and so he gave me Jason Bonham's phone number too and I started texting with Jason Bonham about doing it but then just kind of realized like there's no way I'm going to be able to pay him for one gig yeah, yeah. And then later that day, I met Caleb at the same coffee shop. So it was this little place in Nashville called Bongo Java, like near the Belmont Re- University. And um, yeah, so that was a really good day for me. No doubt. How I old got, are you both at this point? And are you the same age? Or you were what seventeen? I was nineteen. So right, right. I was I was a sophomore at Belmont. And uh, but man, it was literally from the onset. It was. Besides him telling drummer jokes the whole time we hung out, <laughs> uh, which is what I always tell people. Um, what does a drummer use for birth control? His personality. <laughs> My personal favorite, actually. Uh, and it was, I think, it took us a little while to get together um, uh, just to, to jam. And uh, I took a, a bass player that I had music theory class with, and we jammed. And, dude, it was like two weeks later we were on the road. And we were opening for REO Speedwagon and Heart and Wow, Sticks right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, man. I mean, you know, we were clueless. We were figuring it out. and But we were we felt like we were, were there, you know. And we were quickly brought down to reality, um, you know, as we started playing our own shows. And there was, you know, bartenders that we were playing for. and I guess that's the trade-off, isn't it, sure. of support and headline tours sure. early on. But we, but we learned so much doing those big shows because we were thrown in front of an audience and it's, okay, you have 30 minutes to entertain, make it happen. No one's heard of you, no one cares. No one Couldn't cares. On side. You know, yeah. and, and we obviously still are honing that craft today, but um, that's where it started, you know? Well, we didn't even have enough 
original material for a half an hour set. You know what I mean? So we had a couple of songs that we kind of had written, but we didn't really have written. So we would just, I would improvise lyrics on stage every night. It was just so like, or or you would just scat. Like da-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. And then you have a chorus. <laughs> yeah, and I'd have some words, but it was, a lot of stuff got formed early on from just kind of being thrown into the fire and going, yeah. Well, how do we get out of this? Yeah. You know? How are you getting these gigs if you don't have enough original material to fill a set and you're a brand new band? Well, are, you, so, are you hustling? Yeah, big time hustling. Um, I've always sort of been a Good bit at of that. a hustler, yeah. Um, like when I was in <laughs> when I was in high school Every I day had I'm hustling. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah. man. When I was in high school I had, you know, fake a fake email address and I would email people as my manager. Nice. And I'd be like, yeah, I yeah. represent this this you know, super bad to the bone guitar, but just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. make up talking stuff. yourself up Basically, in the third person as someone else. Love I would it. call the box office at the House of Blues in Dallas and be like, "Hey, there's you know BB King's coming. Can I open?" And they'd be like, "You can't call the box office. It doesn't work like the this. box office as well." Yeah. <laughs> and so finally, someone, I guess someone from the box office put me through to this uh, this guy named Anthony, who was one of the talent buyers for House of Blues or AG Live Nation, something like that. And he put me on a show with Dickie Betts from the Allman Brothers. So I called the Dallas Morning News and said, hey, you know, playing a show, it's going to be really special and you should come out and cover it. And they, they went out and covered it. And then next thing you know, there was this um, documentary about that photographer I was telling you about. Yep. And the producer of that documentary saw the video that the Dallas Morning News had posted, said, we want to put Tyler in this film with all these legends. Mind you, I'm a little kid. I know nothing I'm not that good, um, <laughs> but I, I wanted it really bad. And so I ended up in this film with Jeff Beck and Elton John and Def Leppard and, all, and ZZ Top and all these people. And, I was, and that was enough for me to go to... What, is it a concert film or like a it's proper... A, it's a documentary. Right. And so it was on Netflix at the time and uh, I think, uh, what was it, PBS or something. So it, was, it got, got quite a few eyes on it. And, uh, and because you're amongst that mix of yeah. legends, people so that just assume me, that, that got you know, me meetings in Nashville. Yeah. So I basically dropped out of high school when I was 17, moved to Nashville. Were I, your parents supportive of that? They were because I told them I won't ask you for money. I'd saved up enough money from playing blues gigs. I said, I'm going to do this. I have to do this. Um, this is my plan to graduate. So I basically dropped out of school, enrolled in an online class, never changed my address. Then we went on, I met Caleb, we started the band, went on tour, start, got a couple songs together, started writing songs, started doing co-writes, and then the day before high school graduation, I went and enrolled mm -hmm. in high school. And so they, they couldn't deny me enrollment because my address was still within the school limits. So yeah, that's kind of that's how that all played out. But that, that documentary opened some doors and then... Um, it's actually the reason that we met because he had done a... Um, a showcase for CAA and right. agency in It was actually uh, Joe Bonamassa. I was opening for Joe Bonamassa at this um, theater. Is this just you solo? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I had a I had a band at the time of older guys from Texas, and so we, I was like in the middle of this thirty minute opening set, and the somehow the power went out. And the you know the the PA went out, and uh, I stepped up to the front of the stage and just got my resonator and started playing acoustically you know as you do you improvise when yeah when stuff goes wrong you figure out how to you know try to with try punches. to turn it in your favor you know and this one really tall guy just 
stood up and started clapping. And after the show, he walked up to me and said, hi, I'm your, I'm your new booking agent. Love it. And I said, well, what's your name? He goes, John Huey, shake my hand. This is our contract. And he was the head of the Nashville office of CAA. And we had such a great relationship. He went to bat for the band early on. And uh, like, even, like we're, we're no longer at CAA, but we still have such a good relationship with him. Like we were uh, out on tour with Billy Gibbons on a solo tour. And I got a call from John Huey. And he said, hey, man, can I, can I try to get you the ACDC tour? And you're like. And I was like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, man, of course. <laughs> Do you he, really have to call and ask me that? He's like, I know I'm not your agent anymore, but can I try to get you the tour? And, uh, and we're like, yeah. And he got us a three-show audition for ACDC, and that turned into the world tour with us, for us. Um, so I guess that's just, for me, that just goes to show that, like, keeping relationships, even after they're yeah, you you know, no longer working, on the way out. because Nashville's a small town. You know, I mean, it's a big city, but it's the music community there. Like, everyone kind of helps each other out and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, that was like such a life-changing event. That's his fault, you know, for going out and t- going to bat for us. I mean, you've done so many amazing tours that I want to get into in a bit. But um, let's talk first of all about that debut record. Who was the producer you worked with there? Vance Powell, was it? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, well so we actually, the, the first record, we actually self-produced um, Wild Child because we, um, we went to Oxford, Mississippi, spent a ton of money, a ton of time. Um, with this producer named Dennis Herring, who's done a lot of great records, but it wasn't our vibe. You know, we didn't, we weren't pleased with the way it was coming out, and so we scrapped that whole album, went to Nashville, and we'd always wanted to work with Vance based on the C6 Steve albums, you know, the stuff he did with Jack White, Raconteurs, all that stuff. Called him and said, can we make this record? Like, this is what we've, this is what's happened. We've spent months working on this thing, and it just, it's not cool. And he's like, yeah, cool, let's, let's do it in six days. That's what I got. Well, Analog but, style as well, right? Yeah, yeah to but, tape. But before that, though, we did three songs with Andy Johns at Blackbird. Which was also cool. Which was so cool, but it was also like it showed us what we didn't want to do. Right. You know, and you have all these experiences that, and for us, like we're still working out songs through this whole thing, and we're feeling like we're making records, but it's just we're realizing when it's finished, it doesn't seem like how we want to be represented um but we're learning through this whole process right we're learning what we don't want to do we're learning what we're we're learning what we want to do and so after all these experiences kind of went awry and didn't go the way we wanted them to we called vance and stepped into the studio and we're like we're pressing record and we're going for takes and we're not fixing anything and because that's the band that we are yeah well noah had just joined the band as well so we're still kind of finding our feet with him and uh yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. Like, a lot of the songs on that record are completely live vocals and everything. You know, we did all the basic tracking in six days, and then we moved to a smaller studio down the road uh, called Blackbird. Well, Blackbird's a huge studio, but we had we were in the room, I think it was Studio H, which was tiny. Mm-hmm, small. And so we're all crammed in there, and we were doing vocals and working out parts, and, you know, we just, it was fun, man. I think the whole record was done in a couple weeks. It's uh, like, I think it was recorded... Uh, mixed and mastered in 13 days I think is what it wow. is yes. Which, so like, no messing around yeah. yeah and that's and I found that with us that's how it normally works best like our latest record Truth and Lies we recorded in two and a half weeks done you so know? you're not second guessing yourself you're not going back and taking the soul out of it and no man and a lot of the things that I was second guessing are now my favorite parts of the album you know it's like those those kind of human mm-hmm. like little in the moment moments yeah those little things where you go oh man that 
that's it's like a you know if you you know if you have a baby and the baby's born with like big ears and then you go oh man but I really think those big ears are kind of <laughs> cool looking on that baby <laughs> in the studio we call them happy accidents but yeah. t- Tyler Tyler and I are big perfectionists when it comes to things like that and so having people to pull you out of that like fixing element and to want to go oh I want to play that fill more in time or Tyler's like I want to do that solo again or you know, the last note was kind of out of tune or whatever it's like those things that are more human and more organic and more raw more visceral that seem to relate to people more yeah you know and so you have someone there to give you that perspective to, for sure so this is the value of that for keep sure it in. yeah man absolutely uh was that record put out on John Varvotis's label no that record that was, was the- actually put out uh, on a record label called Carved Records it was a uh, a, a friend, we became friends with this guy out of Texas who loved the band and uh, was fully supportive of us making that kind of record because there was no way that that record was going to get played on the radio. You know what I mean? And so he got behind us, and it was a great experience working with them. And then I guess the next the next project was the Wayside EP, and mm-hmm. that was uh, with John Barbados and Republic Records. Yeah. I mean, what's his deal? Because I just spoke to the guy Josh from the band Bad Flower. Yeah, I yeah. know Josh very well. And yeah. uh, he seems to just have a real ear for, like, what's new, what's current, what's exciting. Yeah, um, he's just a massive music fan, man. He just loves music and, you know, uh, wants to get behind this kind of new wave of rock. And it's cool. He's he's still a dear friend. I mean, obviously, we're not working with him anymore in that capacity. But, you know, we still talk to him all the time, see him. He comes yeah, out he to our shows. He came out to our last show in New York. and He's a New York guy, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, it was awesome working with him. Like, he came over, you know, to my little house in Nashville and hung out in the band studio and listened through all of our songs. And we game planned. And I think for us, the... Um, the unfortunate thing was that it was with Republic Records as well. So you're going up. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly who they have, but you have some of the biggest pop artists in the world, and then we're doing this sort of obscure rock and roll thing. And so you know, you have the heads of the company, who actually I don't even know if the, they're the same people now. Um, Varvados is no longer with Republic. He's with Big Machine. Big yeah. Machine, yeah. But at the time, we had the, the heads of that company going. We want this band to stand for counterculture, and we want to do something unique and dangerous. And then, as soon as we delivered the album, they were like, we "Oh, don't, we don't know if there's radio hits." And we're like, what? "I, I straight up, you know, wrote down what you said, and you, you were like, f the radio." And so it was just interesting. But Barbados is a huge champion of ours and of rock bands, and. Uh, you know his label is doing great now. You know, mm-hmm. obviously with with Bad Flower and I mean they have quite a few things that are that are going really well. So yeah. it was a great stepping stone for us. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't do something with Barbados in the future at some point. There's still so we we made this record The Wayside. We made a 13 song album, and Republic was like that's just before the self titled record, right? Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Republic was like we should put out. Uh, six song EP and we're like no we made an album and you know albums have trajectories and peaks and valleys and so six songs got put out and uh, so there's still seven songs that we want to release you're sitting on them yeah we're sitting on them and I have been for four years and I keep telling Barbados like dude let's do a record store day let's do fell by the wayside you know because that's exactly what happened perfect yeah you know what I mean it's those songs just fell by the wayside and they're just sitting there, and 
you know. I'll send, I'll send you some of them so you can hear Please them. do, yeah. I've, there's some, some real bangers on there. Maybe we could play one on this podcast, perhaps. Or, yeah. or yeah. is Ooh. it for my ears only? Yeah, probably for your ears only okay. until, until we can... Uh, I mean, unless you maybe want to leak it online. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we have, we I'm have, to hear them, we right? have contemplated doing that because we, you you just know, want we people still to play hear some of those songs live, you know, and, and uh, so it's, you know, it is what it is. And that whole process, again, like we were learning through it and, and they're like, oh, well, six songs going to be more digestible for the people. And it's like, well, okay. And then all of a sudden we're four years, almost five years removed from it. And those seven songs still haven't come out. I, so it's just that like inner workings that are always tough to deal with but you know it is the industry and you got to find ways around I just I think that sometimes those major record labels don't give the listener enough credit it's like oh no their attention span their attention span can't handle it and it's like well maybe you know you know people are formed by what they get you know and it's like yeah well maybe if you actually released albums they could they they might listen to it you know I don't know I don't care about their statistics I like albums as a fan my attention span works for it. I know for a fact that Shakedown fans, like the people that come to our shows, you can see they sing every word of every song that you give them. And so it's like, yeah, they, they would listen to this. But I think people are trying to think of, you know, on a bigger scale a lot of the times rather than how can we build this one piece at a time. They're thinking, what's going to be the fastest and easiest way to build this? Of course, and, and yeah, because it makes their life easy. Yeah, and we're going, well, we're, we're out here every day looking at these people who are hungry for more and we want to give it to them and so that's that's sort of why we we got out of that deal and uh and you know obviously republic has done had massive success with with bands that are you know that kind of fit their mold um but we've we've been a band that's gotten very little radio play uh, we've actually got <laughs> a little bit more more over here than, more on and, this and, record than we've else. ever had but we've never been built on that you're you know, a live band, right? No, no, yeah. Well, sure, but I mean, I, we haven't been. Um, we don't hope for radio success. You know, we don't write songs f- to be successful at radio. Um, and I think that again with the Republic thing, I just don't know that that fit was necessarily the right because the right one because that label is built on that single driven. Yeah. You know, uh, and again, and nothing against any of those people. It was a great stepping stone for us, and and the relationship with Farfados was great, and we got a lot of really cool things out of it. But you know, when we did move on and sign to Spine Farm and Snake Farm, uh, they seemed to see a little bit more eye to eye with us as far as. Um, what our goal was releasing albums and so since the self-titled record the last two have been released uh, via Spine Farm Ooh. and uh, it just seems to be uh, just more of how we want to do things Ooh. is that internationally through them yeah yeah, yeah. we decided that we were going to make a record without a label and that's what we did we made the self-titled album predominantly in my home studio without a record deal. Um, Wasn't it one of the dudes from the Cadillac 3 that introduced Dante to your music? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was Jaren. It was Jaren or Neil, probably. Um, but we the, we decided to make this record. We didn't have any money to do it, and we basically borrowed some gear set up su- to supplement what I already had at home and, and just set up shop in my house. And um, the first day that we started recording it, we got offered uh, a bunch of dates around the world with Guns N' Roses. And so that was a nice little, you know, slap on on the ass to go like, all right, get out, get out there, do it, fellas. And uh, you know, we we put our hearts and souls into the self-titled album, and we learned so much making that. You know, I on my studio desk, I still have little 
you know, reminders of like, take breaks, you know, because I would start having nightmares, <laughs> nightmares about like editing, you know, and because we were doing everything. I was watching tutorials to learn. Did you self-produce the record? Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. learn how to do what I didn't know how to do. And, you know, so, but it, it was a great learning experience. And we then turned, we then played the record for Spine Farm and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll license this from you guys and we'll release it and distribute it for you. And then they actually, also on our next project with them, Truth and Lies, um, they were a little bit more like, let's let's get you out of Nashville. Let's. They were a little more thinking outside the box because they weren't involved in the making of the last record. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was it was cool to have them, you know, pop by the studio every now and then. And they were they were never like, you gotta do this song. You gotta do this. It was like just being part of the team, having some skin in the game, and. They just wanted to feel like they were a part of it. And yeah. it was cool because we get on so well with them. Um, and the team is great. And we trust them. And at the same time, they trust us to do, you know, because no one knows what we want more than us. Yeah, you know? of course. And so um, it feels good to have that relationship um, to where they do come by the studio and go, this is great. Like, this is exactly what you guys are, you know. Um, and that's what that's how Truth and Lies was. I mean, it was important for us too to get out of Nashville. We needed something new. We needed a change of pace. We needed uh, just I don't know new new, new scenery, you know, um, to be inspired in another way that we haven't been before. It's interesting on this tour because obviously Airborne are on Spine Farm as well, and yeah. they actually made their last record in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Crazy, awesome. With a great dude, a friend of ours, and um, you know, love that that their new album. It's great. So you've mentioned two huge bands that I want to get some stories from you. Yeah. ACDC and Guns N' Roses. Which yeah. tour came first? It was ACDC first. That started in 2016, the Rocker Bus Tour. And uh, I think sort of to kick that off, we were, we were on tour with Billy Gibbons playing acoustically. And um, we got the call, and it was like the ACDC tour starts in three days. Three days. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was three or four days. It was like just no time. Yeah, maybe it was four because I the band immediately left. They started driving towards Nashville because we had to get a van. We had to get a new van. A new van because ours was had been around the world too many times, around you know America too many times in Canada, and um, so that Noah went and got a van, which we ultimately didn't end up get to take because something went wrong with the trailer brakes. So we ended up taking the busted one. Well, they did. I'm, I'm trying to finish these gigs out with Billy Gibbons, solo acoustic. And can you imagine knocking on his dressing room door being like, we're, we need to bail. We have to leave the tour. And he okay. was super cool. He was. He was like, he was. that's an idea I can get behind. You yeah. Know? It was like, it, with ACDC, yeah, that's cool. I got you. And he said, I'll, he's know, the coolest fucking the man. The coolest. Out, isn't yeah. Man. He's like, I'll that's give you some pointers. Get behind, yeah. Like, and he told me, you know, you got to play to the cheap seats. You know, you got to get play to everyone. Don't just play to the people you can see. And so we, I've, I kind of finished that. And the band is, meanwhile, trying to put together a crew, trying to get. Marshall Full Stacks because we wanted to play with Full Stacks because we finally had the opportunity to. We've been out on tour for two months playing fully acoustic. No rehearsals, nothing. Completely different lane, isn't it? Different, big time. So like six inputs acoustic, like nothing, you know? And all of a sudden we're playing arenas and we hadn't played in th as a full band in over three months. So, so we, were, I, we were a bit freaked. I finished the last show that I did with Billy Gibbons, got in the rental car to take it to the airport and fly to meet the band in uh, Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington. 
and I get in the rental car on Highway to Hell's plan. Oh, wow. And I Just was on like, the radio. Yeah, no I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> we get there. Mind you, we don't know if we're gonna, how many shows we're going to get because if, if Angus didn't like us, then we would be going Here's home. Here's your dinner money, chaps. Oh, thank you. If we'd be nice. nice. Some per diem. How much longer do you need? Um, how much longer do I have? Well, we are ready on stage now for... Are you ready on stage? Yeah. Can we just, can we pick this up in a little bit then? Is yeah, do possible? you want to, yeah, do, no. do the sound check and then we'll come back to part two. Yeah, Easy. yeah. is that possible? Easy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because we're not done yet. No, to be continued. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we were at. No, no, no. Highway to Hell comes on in the car. Yeah, so Take I, us from that point. What's so going on? So I got on? in the rental car, turned on the radio, Highway to Hell's on. I drive to the airport, and I just am so excited, but also really nervous because we haven't played electrically in a while. Meanwhile, the band has been just 90 to nothing trying to figure out logistically how to get all the gear together. We needed a tour manager. We needed all the, you know, we needed wireless Everything units. you need to make a tour happen. Yeah, right? because yeah. And we, didn't, we didn't have enough time to get wireless systems for the guitars. But, you know, we're, we had 20-foot instrument cables. We weren't ready for an ACDC stage. <laughs> and they had to drive from Nashville to Tacoma through, like... It was, like, it was 42 hours. We drove through three blizzards. I thought we were going to die for 90% of the drive. And sure enough, we made it. I don't but know You guys how. almost... You oh, we, we, spun, we spun out twice um, through this uh, Snoqualmie Pass. Uh, through the mountains in, in Washington, and uh, dude, it was wild. And then like through, uh, I think it was like Wyoming or Iowa or something that it was just like you couldn't see the road. We were just we would find a tractor trailer and just follow it. You know what I mean? So it would kind of it would kind of c- yeah. carve the road for us. But I mean, I kid you not, like we hit the top, the peak of the Snoqualmie Pass, and I was driving. And we I was going to say, did s- you have a driver, or you were just you, no? We were switching turns, yeah. And we were like, sleeping through the night because I mean, we drove that long. I mean, we we did. 18, 19 hour stints. You know, it was like crazy, dude. Like, we would only do that for ACDC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. You were on the highway to hell. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. So, in, in a frozen tundra. 
Uh, so we uh, started going down like the decline and dude cars were littered on the street or on the road like off the side and like people were using flares and it was crazy so I was just like hold on boys and everybody was like holding each other in you know yeah Noah told me at one point Caleb was driving and he said he woke up and they were careening down this big hill and he he said I I closed my eyes (laughs) and thought this is it this is how I die yeah Um, mind you I've just flown into Tacoma after doing my last show with Billy Gibbons and I'm sitting in a nice warm hotel, you know, restaurant bar having dinner and waiting on my my boys to show up. And they showed up, you know, at 6 a.m. on show day, something on like show that. Day, 6 on show day, 6 a.m. On show day, yeah. So they've been driving through the night to get, there was just no, logistically it didn't make sense um, because we had to do so many shows to try and backline them. It wasn't wasn't possible. Well, we wanted to, on the Billy tour, we wanted to try and, like, uh, fulfill the commitment. And Tyler was able to do a couple. We actually did one, the three of us, me, you, and Graham. Noah went home with a buddy from Lexington. And, uh, yeah. and all that doesn't matter. But uh, if I can say what made it worth it is when we did get to the hotel, we met up with Tyler. We were able to sleep a little bit. We, the second that we walked in through the doors. The Tacoma the, Dome. The Tacoma Dome. Like, actually, one of the bigger arenas we played on the whole run. Uh, we heard the techs playing back in black and it was like it was this so moment sick. like the, we opened the doors and it was like literally boom and all of us looked at each other like oh my god like we made it like yeah. it was like all of that was done and like we were ready to 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 rock you know so, so the the three the three show audition period was tacoma las vegas and then denver was our last night and so i called um, my girlfriend at the time, Rebecca, who's now my wife, and I said, "You have to, we have to fly you to Denver. You have to get here um, because we're doing the coolest thing I might ever get to do in my life." And you don't know yet whether or not it's going to be the no full run. And I, and I also said, "I might find out that Angus thinks we're the worst band of all time and doesn't <laughs> want us to do any more shows." And I'm, I don't like being alone right now. Could you, could just, can you be here? And she came and. I also wanted her to see ACDC because we had been watching the show every night just like in awe. And so she flew out and after the third show, we didn't hear a thing. Nothing. We didn't hear anything. And did you interact with them at all? Yeah, we, we're not, at, not, at with the shows? A, not with not, the ACDC not much, guys. But, but It was kind of like haze in the well, hallway. Like well, we talked to Brian Johnson in Vegas. Well, a funny thing is, so I guess it was in Tacoma, Angus's wife, um, who's a total sweetheart, came in and was like, do you guys need any washing done, any sewing? Any sewing, I love it. Yeah, but we didn't realize who it was in Caleb. Was I like, definitely He did. was like, I, I need some uh, laundry done. I, it was, I had needed one and of so my, I, actually one of my Varvatos jackets. So right, right, like yeah, yeah, you got to take off. care of that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I thought she was at the tour, and she... Dude, I, and I, I immediately, like, had this feeling like she's... She, she's someone. He walked up to me and was like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I was like, you what are you idiot? What why you, did you do that? What do you mean? Like, I had no idea. And so then I felt bad. I was like, oh, I just screwed up our... Yeah, it was a yeah. test and I we thought, failed. I it was a test that, and we failed. I thought that, like, maybe Angus would be like, whose laundry is that? Then, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're watching the Livid. opening bands. They're yeah. not even on the tour. So, and they're so putting dude, you to work. Dude, like, so five minutes later, she walks in. She's like, here you go, sweetheart. Like, it's done. And I was like... You're awesome. Thank you so much. Like, I had wanted that button sewed on for, like, two years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just didn't think a thing about it. And so it turns out, like, she's an absolute sweetheart. She was our, we called her our, like, tour mom. She took yeah, care yeah, of yeah. us. She, like, she made things happen for us, like, on the road. And Dude, that was so funny. One night she she had done uh, some laundry for me. Like, I think she just. At this point, you're like, it's all good, though. Oh, yeah, well, this is, we, well, so <laughs> we got okay. the tour. I'm getting ahead of my, I'm getting ahead of myself. We didn't hear anything. Yeah. So we just 
decided to drive to the well, next the, show. The only thing we heard was, hey, some of the tech guys said, hey, man, we ordered you guys a drum riser. And we were like, oh, well, I guess we got the tour. And then our manager was in Denver, and he was like, yeah, why don't you guys just go ahead and drive to Fargo? Like, it seems like they want you there. We, but we heard nothing from the powers that be, like, hey, you guys got the tour. So I remember him and I in the hotel room that night, we were looking at each other going, like, straight dude, sweaty palms. Dude, like, yeah. like, what, like, couldn't sleep. Like, do we, did we get it? Like, what? Do, do we suck? Like, should are we they, not do this anymore? You know what I mean? Like, the drum riser for someone else? Yeah, like, like, are they flying someone else in? We're going to show up to Fargo and be like, hey, you guys need to just drive home. Like, you get you know there and have one of that. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> like, oh, that would be, I would be so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like, bummed, but we also We totally stoked. would not be on this tour. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, we would have stayed home. But, but so we, we showed up in Fargo and we ran into, uh, you know, a couple people in the hall and we're like, we're not sure if we're supposed to be here. Um, and we ended up running into Ella, Angus's wife, and, and we said, you know, um, we're here. We haven't. We heard that we had three shows to audition, and she goes, oh, yeah, Angus made up his mind after the first show. Did no one tell you? Straight up. So we had been just sweating it, you and, know? And it was like, we want you to finish America with us. We want you to finish Europe. Like, you know, we got the whole run, 33 shows around the world with a, one of our favorite bands of all time. And so it was like, it was pretty cool, and like we all like, you know, celebrated in the dressing room. And, and so, not to get ahead of it, but we did the 10 shows and we had a break. And actually, you and I were talking about cruises earlier. We yeah. had this cruise booked on the 10-day break that we had booked for like over a year. So and it worked out perfectly in the schedule because, trust me, we would have canceled it had it not. And so uh, we ended up doing the cruise. We ended up getting home. And the first show back on the second half was in Atlanta. And our ma we all get a group text from our management that says uh, – hey, like, we need to get on the phone ASAP. Like, let's do a conference call. All of us are like, okay, cool. We, we all, I remember my heart sinking, like something's wrong. And uh, sure enough, Brian Johnson, you know, lost his hearing yeah. and, and can't finish the tour. So the, the 10 shows on the back half of the U.S. run postponed indefinitely, like nobody knows. But we didn't hear about Europe. So I remember, uh, and we all kind of were like, all right, well, we had we had to cancel shows that we, we had canceled so many between. festivals. And all well, stuff. we canceled like, you know, club shows, festivals, like things that we had booked kind of in between. The and shows. at this point, you're probably worrying that you're damaging perhaps other relationships. Oh, we, oh, no, oh, we, we absolutely totally damaged. We totally were. Which, but I'll just go on record saying to the people if we damaged the relationships with the promoters at festivals like I know one festival I was super bummed to cancel was Telluride and they just had us back for the first time since we canceled that and I, and I got to apologize and be like listen anybody in their right mind would have done this but the thing if is, you get called by ACDC to go on a world tour I don't care who you are if any young rockers are listening to this I don't care what you have to do. You do it. You, make you it know happen. what I mean? You make it happen. And the you truth move is, the mountains and you figure it out and then you call people and you say Thank you for the opportunity. Please allow me to make it up for you. And they do. You know? They do. And people understand. Like everything, it's right? Like, After sure. a bit of time, the dust settles. And then obviously we get asked back. You know, it's like, so So the dust does settle eventually. And we had to do what was right for us. And, and we were going to lose a bunch of money had we done those shows, you know, without those anchor dates. And so it all worked out man and it's like fine we ended up playing like some of the clubs again you know after canceling and so it all works out and we did end up the tour we ended up finding out that axel rose was going to sing in europe and i remember getting that call and all of us were like dude there's just no way so you're we, on the front line of like a real historical oh like we're, we're talking like clash of the titans well because every rock, you know what yeah, i mean like every rock and roll fan had an opinion about that of course people were either fully against it or fully like prepared to watch it 
you know, sync. And the first show was... I th- in- yeah, that was it. No one was, like, stoked, were they? It was yeah. either, fuck was- that, I'm out, or I'll go, but Let's it's see. probably going to but, but, I, but I, Yeah, right. Yeah. I want to see it burn. Well, yeah. so yeah. our first show um, in Europe ever was in... Lisbon, ever? Lisbon, Portugal. No, yeah. No. Yes, oh, yeah, it yeah, absolutely yeah, you're right, you're was. Right, right, we right. flew into the. We flew into London. We actually did a warm up show we, in Milton Keynes. Oh yeah. Oh well, that was. That's not Europe, dude. That, that well. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Game yeah. over, man. Yeah. Well, so it was the UK, fair enough, fair and enough. Uh, we we went to this little place called the Crawford Arms, and we rehearsed there I for know a it, day, yeah. and then we did like a warm up show for like twelve people or something, and uh, then we started the drive to Lisbon, and we got there and. It's pouring down rain all day. There's all these kids out that are there at three o'clock. Doors opened early. Our sound check is at like it's supposed to be at three, but it got pushed to six or something because the doors weren't or because it was just pouring down rain. So like we're pushing our gear on stage in front of thirty. 60, is more than more that. than sixty thousand people. Or sixty thousand people there. It was easy. And it you're was just wheeling on it all your like stuff. It was like at three o'clock when doors opened, 60,000 people came running in. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, like all in ponchos. It was a lot mean? of people. And they're and they're starting to chant at us, like setting up our stuff. Like you like know. a good chant? No, like like a we want music. We're, our, we're, we're cold. Getting no, go our, ahead. Tell them what he's no, saying. No, no. They, they were <laughs> chanting all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's but, worth it. Yeah, we were... <laughs> We were kind of shaking in our boots a little bit. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, we had never seen that many people before. We're talking like the arenas that we were playing three times. So it's like. We'd also been warned by the ACDC crew. If they throw bottles at you, um, just don't, don't get discouraged. They, they've, apparently they've had people get booed off the stage before. And All we, the and stuff you want to hear before you're about to go out yeah, there. And and we're, oh, yeah, and we've never played in front of this many people before. And it's pouring rain. Everything's not right. And we, then we go and have the best show of all time and uh, apparently as axel told us when he arrived to the venue that night he is got this, is this his first show with them as well yeah it yeah. was and he's in a chair mind you so people, yeah all the people who were you know we were looking at social media and people were like oh great he's in a chair so he can't get away from the bottles we're gonna throw at him so baiting for blood yeah, yeah so axel gets there and hears us as he's getting out of the out of his out of his escalator whatever his escort police escort (laughs) and he apparently when when we met him in london later on that tour he goes yeah i got out of the you know the the car and i thought oh finally an opening band i don't have to ignore and then uh and when we met him he said how would you like to come do some shows with with my band and And we're like, like what we're like uh like Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses? Uh, yeah. It was funny because when we walked out of the green room, we were in there. We were invited to his green room in London, and, and uh, that's when he did say that. And we walked out, and we were like, he did mean Guns N' Roses, right? Like, we were, like, joking with each other, like, holy crap, you know what I mean? Is that like, the way you just said it as well, my band? Yeah, yeah my band. That's exactly what he said. And so, sure yeah. enough, dude, it was, like, two weeks later that we the offers came in. And so after that European run, we went home, and we were home for, like, a week. And then all of a sudden, we were out in the States with... And that's, the, and that's the not in this lifetime tour. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the it was the kickoff. To we it. just did some more dates with them on that. I saw it just recently. Um, but so I will one more thing about the Portugal show. After the like first or second song, Axel crushed it. Was singing his ass off. It was. It was. I insane. saw it. I, I was at the, the show yeah. in London that you yeah. did, and I thought he fucking nailed it. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. And he was respectful. He was respectful of his role in it and uh, the do crowd. Th- do you think that was a key part of maybe humbling? Yeah, the, the ego. Th- oh, absolutely. I think it was. Uh, 
I don't know if this is the right word, but like redemption for him yeah, to yeah, a yeah. degree, yeah. especially like with GNR coming back out. Yeah. I think for him to kind of like repair that reputation for people to go like, oh, okay, cool. He's like technically a he can show up on time on and sing yeah, when he sure. wants and, to. Yeah. And ACDC every night, eight o'clock on the dot or whatever the set time was, bam, like downbeat. And so, and it was like it was definitely kind of a statement I think that he made. But I think more than that, it was cool to see because we had seen some shows with Brian Johnson and they were great. But I think to see the band with someone new to kind of give them this new fresh energy outlook perspective like whatever way you look at it they were doing new songs that they were doing songs that they never played before like live you know since bond and like so it was cool man like i i think for us like being young like rock fans like it was really awesome to watch that every night and we didn't miss a downbeat every single night we would finish on stage and go back and grab a drink freshen and up and then watch oh, the totally. whole show and we watched yeah. the whole show what i thought was so cool How what i was not? what i was saying was after the first or second song people started cheering axel axel and he said no it's angus angus and so he he handled it with tremendous respect That's I thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no and yeah. it was and we were like he's gonna be all right because he's going i'm here this i mean that's what acdc has always done they push on you know? yeah mm-hmm. they change the wheel and they keep driving yeah sure. and it was great for us because we were able to pay our rent over the summer yeah Thanks. right <laughs> and you got the best of both worlds because you got brian johnson and axel rose yeah, and you got to open up for ac yeah. fucking dc yeah and guns and roses and that led to you know what, so what's axel things. like i mean he's been really great. nice to us nothing I mean, but awesome he's yeah. you know he's a real enigma isn't he? he shows up like right when they go on and he's one of those guys that uh i mean i can't t- i I don't know that much about Axel. I mean, he would see us in the does, hall right? and be like, <laughs> give us the peace sign or something, or, you know, give us like a, a rock fist. And one night, uh, you know, someone from his sort of entourage came up and said, you know, why haven't you gone and said hey to Axel? We're like, we're not going to knock on his dressing room door. They're like, well, he's not going to knock on yours. So, you, you know, and so we just went over and he's like, yeah, come on in, boys. You want to drink? Like, you know, and it was... We hung, we hung out and it was the very last show of the ACDC run. It was him and Slash was there. It was him and Slash and like we had bubbles just, from Trailer Park Boy. Yeah, well, Amazing. that was in London. Oh, that was in London. <laughs> but, that was but, the coolest. But we're, but we're literally in Axel's dressing room, hanging with Slash, and end of the ACDC run. Cliff had just like quote unquote retired, and we're like, this is crazy. We're kids, you know what I mean? Technically, I mean we're old now, but you know we're we're. It's like I don't know. It's just cool for us, man. Just like to and then they were just nothing but nice. And do we and got to fly on Guns and Roses jet with them? Did you? Yeah. For the full tour. That's no, how you got no, around. No, no, just for one night in South America. But like this one time was so so exciting we for were the us. first people what's that like us? what's that plane like we, it, what's the vibe it's like the biggest plane <laughs> biggest you've plane ever you've seen, ever seen. <laughs> like a jumbo jet like that you're taking it's got all the gear on it no no it's just got guns and roses and like a select group of and they're, you know, and they're, they're crew they're, they're select group of crew sele- select group of crew and entourage and um so we went immediately went to the back of the plane we were like we got to fly under the radar here just in yeah, case yeah, just like, keep your head down because we had booked like some you know $89 flights in South America <laughs> to like just try and get where we're going you know as efficiently as possible and uh, it was Axel's manager that was yeah, like you for, just fly with us Fernando was like just hop on so with we us can, we, we got, canceled our flight he's like we have like you know 180 empty seats on our plane <laughs> And so we got on there. Has it got all like the bar and the couch vibe? Like, no, no, it wasn't quite like that. First class, yeah. First yeah, class, yeah. yeah. Where, where they sit, it does. We, we definitely were not there. Yeah. But we, we went to the back and we were still having, you know, filet mignon and wine and stuff. Before they even got on the plane, I'd had a filet mignon and a glass of wine. And then I'm like watching a movie, you know? So we're all kind of sitting back there going. And at one point, Duff walked back 
He's a cool man, isn't he? Yeah, he's super cool. He like I was going to the bathroom or something, and he thought I was one of the girls from the crew. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, he's like, hey, do you know where? Oh my god, we picked up some stragglers. <laughs> and, he, and then he peeked back to all of us. We're like, what the hell are you guys doing on this plane? Hitchhikers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like bathrooms that way, man. Yeah, it was cool, man. Tell me more about that tour and the, the inner workings of uh, an operation like that. Because obviously, you know, they've been out of action for X amount of years. Do you notice a vibe? Is it like exciting? Yeah, man. Being I mean, in the middle of that. It was very exciting for us, obviously. It's another one of the, like, the, the childhood bands. There are yeah. very few of those. And ACDC and Guns were both, like, the Back in Black record, you know. And then, like, I don't know, for me, Guns... That was a that was a big one for me because like Welcome to the Jungle it was one of the first songs I ever started like playing Appetite. air guitar. Yeah, start to end. And so uh, it was really cool. Like our first show with Guns was in Cincinnati, and I met Slash there, and he was like, "Hey man, yeah, I got your I got your EP. I, I got it in my car," and I was like, "You have like a physical CD." in your car he's like my car in california that's what he said and he's like yeah it's cool stuff man and and so that was super cool and someone actually uh, took a photo of like when we were standing there backstage talking and 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 that's a something i treasure because that was a cool moment for us and we got to play an hour set that night in front wow. of a stadium crowd in cincinnati and um but yeah it was the whole tour was cool the a lot of the crew from the ACDC tour carried over to that. Mm-hmm. So we knew everyone on the crew. It was already a family vibe backstage. And they treated us as such. They treated us like family, and that was important for us because we're a family unit on the road. You have to be. Yeah, to of make course, it, to you make it to work. Be. And uh, and they treated us as such, and I think for us, like uh, doing all of those shows, doing the arenas to the stadiums, and doing the ACDC to guns, like we learned so much on how to put on a show in a place like that yeah i mean that's something that you don't just learn overnight you know what i mean and so for us it was every single night we would go out and we wouldn't miss the downbeat we'd watch the whole show we're soaking in you know he always uses the analogy like we're we're sponges you know and we're soaking in the pre-show music the after show music what are the transitions like every you know how to how to assemble a set list like how to do all of that and it's important and it's and it's you know, carried over to us and how we put on our shows and uh, in, a, in a place like that and how he commands a crowd and, and how our songwriting changed, how everything changed over the years, you know, since we started doing those shows. Um, yeah, man, I mean, like, we, we look back now and, like he said, we just did two with GNR, um, Oklahoma City and Salt Lake City, and it's just going back, it's the same thing. It's yeah, we, like those guys come off the sound check and they're all right hugging in. us, like, dude, good to see you guys, like, so happy to have you back. Yeah. You know, it's cool, man, it's like, it's surreal still. It's the acceptance day. and approval and validation of your heroes. Like, yeah, well, it absolutely. Cooler, right? It's And it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely just inspiring as well. Like, when we were out with ACDC, we got you know, hit up by a couple people from their crew and said, ACDC wants to do a video to spotlight you guys. And they, they made like a full, you know, six, seven minute video about us interviewing us about like our experience. They, they filmed our shows and gave us the footage to use, which we then used for videos on our own. And it was like to have that kind of support. And then they posted it on all of ACDC's social media and their website to be like, yo, check out, check out our opening band, you know? 
Which they obviously don't do for everyone because no I've way, never seen dude. that before. No way. It was awesome for so us. It, it, you know? it, was, it was cool, man, to like see a band that's that legendary and that timeless to treat us like we were, you know, royalty or something. Well, yeah. I mean, they treat like us so that well. Yeah, yeah, man. 100%. And yeah. I think it says, like to us, it says a lot about their character and like just how they run their operation. And It you teaches know, you we, how we, to treat bands Absolutely, well, yeah. Right? 100%, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. We yeah, just we, did a tour with, uh, we just did a tour with Stone Temple Pilots and Rival Sons and this is kind of a cool story. We, we show up to the first gig and there's no dressing room for us, which is fine. We're like, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll put on a different shirt in a van and, Definitely you not know, the first time that's happened. Like we're like we're pretty low key, and uh, our Dean from SCP comes up and he goes, "What are you guys doing? Hanging out in this hallway?" We're like, "Oh, this is our dressing room." He goes, "Heads will roll for this." And next thing you know, Brodies are pushing some of the cases out of SDP's second dressing room, and he's like, "Y'all are take ours tonight." And it's like that's how you treat. And there wasn't a single show on that run that we didn't have a dressing room. Yeah, and that's how and, you treat. And honestly, they, absolutely. Yeah. And they and they would invite us in their dressing room and, and would say the same. Like we were out when we were out with so and so, they did the same for us. And we always said like we would do that for bands that opened for us because Pass it that's down. how you do it. Yeah, man. You know, and that and I respect those people even more so. Like past the music for things like that because it matters so much more. You As know. you say, their character is a testament to the integrity. It makes me the, makes me like the music more. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because I know the heart of the human behind it. Uh huh. You know? Yep. Did you have any good moments with Angus, or is he quite a private person? Yeah, we had some great moments with Angus. Yeah. You know, there was uh, you know quite a quite a few little hangs backstage. You gotta where, check the or tell him the Czech Republic story. That's a, that's the great best one. Oh, what about like me talking to yeah. him about? Yeah, he was. You know, you were asking him questions oh, about how to put on a show. Yeah, I was. Um, I was just telling him how excited I was to be able to play through 200 watt full stacks because that was a dream of mine to have. I didn't need a lot. I just wanted two right behind me so they were loud and I was getting the brunt of the force, you know. <laughs> and he was like, you know, yeah, I, I used to have a 50 watt, you know, head that I loved and I used it so much in the studio. I'm using the hundreds now. You know, it's really fun, yeah? And I was like, yeah, it's fun. And, and he's like, how are you getting on with the crowd? They've been really roaring for you. He's like, I can hear it backstage. So you, you really get them roaring. And I said, I'm learning a little more with each show. And, and he said, you have to believe that you're going to take them on a journey. And then they'll go with you. And so that was just a kind of a lesson in confidence yeah. uh, for me. Coming from the dude who takes crowds on the most epic journey. You know, oh, yeah. the solos in his pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> And then I got to spend a birthday with him. Our very last show was in uh, Dusseldorf in Germany, and it was on the 15th of June. And so it hit midnight, and we're hanging out in his dressing room, and I, like, turned, like, whatever, 27 or 28 at the time. These Noah and Caleb both had uh, birthdays at uh, Queen Elizabeth Olympic Stadium yeah. because we did two nights in a row, and one night was Noah's birthday, and the next night was Caleb's birthday. And then the next year I got to spend my birthday in Singapore with Guns N' Roses yeah it was, you know it was like it was the same year actually oh yeah the same year early. pretty tight you yeah, know pretty I mean, like, but, I, we've but I'm pretty sure Graham's <laughs> birthday was like on a travel day when we're in a <laughs> yeah, van yeah, in yeah. America it, it was but, but it was on the SDP tour which was sick I mean, yeah that was this, just this, this year but I mean we've all had some pretty it was though he, we got to get a little bit screwed he had it's a crappy like, one we've all had like and then another one of your birthdays was oh we were in Dallas where I'm like that was my old stomping grounds being from texas and my family yeah, got to come watch us play at like the legendary arena there with acdc did you go and see shows there as a kid oh yeah, yeah. i saw eric clapton there for my 16th birthday 
and then 15th you, birthday, and, and then yeah. you played for your what? 20 24th. 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 24. Wow. And how old are you now? 28. Wow. Dude, you've so, done so much. So yeah, young. So much. Um, I mean, early, before before I even uh, met Caleb in this before the shakedown was even a thought, you know, I'd been playing with a blues band, you know, where I got to play with a lot of my heroes and you know, like I said, I would just call people and try to get gigs and that's what You allowed, don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah, that's what allowed me the um, enough to have enough money to move to Nashville and get a small apartment and start trying to to go go for it and BMI helped me out a little bit and you know, it's just here we are. Just one thing leads to the next and you keep asking and I mean even on that ACDC tour we were signed to Republic at the time and I, I could not wrap my head around why no one would get us a single interview and I'm like we're out on tour with ACDC we have a new record why can't someone at this major label get us one interview I was like I could not wrap my head around it I'm going sure I don't know much about the music industry but you would think someone would pick up the freaking phone yeah. come on so I started this fake email address called Emily at PressingMatterHere.com. At it again. And I'm <laughs> like, this guy represent emails. the band, you know? Like, and you have to do that. You have to go out and like, just make people pay attention. I mean, it's what we're going to do tonight. For, at these shows, we've, we've seen a lot of Shakedown fans here. We're on tour with Airborne, for anyone who's listening. And you know, we have our core group of Shakedown fans. And then there's all these Airborne fans who may or may not have heard of us. And we have to go out there and make them listen to us. Go, we're here to rock. That's all we came to do. That's all they want to do. Let's do it then. Yeah. You know, cool. We've talked about it. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> and that's, what, that's how it goes. So, yeah. we. that's something that we shaped on the tours that we've been talking about. Because it's like when you go out to a stadium or, or a, a whatever, an airstrip or whatever we're playing to 60,000 people that have mostly no clue who you are you know what i mean you have to leave the stage and and make them know and remember who you are yep you know we're not and getting as someone we're not said getting, earlier reach the people in the cheap seats right so we're not re, we're not getting the production we're not getting the video like i mean to most of those people we're ants yeah, you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like literally the size of ants and so tyler like we always kind of have this thing of like take no prisoners and so that's the mindset if it's sixty thousand people or if it's 60 people it's always the same so it's we're going out and we're going to set the place on fire then we're going to leave you know and so um i think that it has to be that way you know and so the people will take that and remember it and be like yeah that opening band was actually pretty pretty good it's know? a fun position to be in right the, the opening act the support sure. act because you're the underdog kind of there's not much expectation and there is there must be a great sense of pride that comes with crushing it and getting them warmed well, up i feel like there almost is expectation though i feel like people expect the opening band to suck, to suck. yeah and so you know we've i've seen so many people who come to shows, they're like, oh, we caught your last two songs because we all thought, oh, there's an opening the band, point? let's stay at the pub. Yeah. And then they're like, we caught your last two songs, and then we bought a ticket to one of your headline shows. Amazing. And so that was always the the goal was to try to win over the, you know, because I'll, I'll be honest, whenever I go to shows, a lot of times I'm like, who's opening? Okay, cool, well, let's wait. Let's yeah, go. Right. Uh, you know? Do I know them? No. Sure. Okay, yeah. let's go to the pub. Yeah, I look them up online. Um, you know, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, sure. Do you notice all your like streaming figures and social media following grow as you're on these massive arena tours? Is it notable, like the spikes? Yeah, or I mean the stream the streaming not as much as you would on think. ACDC, they because they posted about us, so that was a huge help for us. And then I notice certain shows like when we play with guns, like if we got the screens, then people can see us when we're not just an ant 
to mm-hmm. them. Yep. Then we like whenever we played Cincinnati with them, it was like we got a huge bump. Yeah, we did. But it's uh, I think I honestly think that doing mm-hmm. tours like this, where we're where it's a more of an intimate room. Yeah. I mean, this is a big room. There's you know there'll probably be fifteen hundred fifteen hundred so people yeah. here tonight. But it's more like we're all in it together. Yeah. Feeling, because it doesn't matter. In a in a stadium, you're just you're small, and it's you can't have that connection, especially if you're not. If you don't have hits, we don't have hits yet. We're not doing covers. We could go out there and do covers and try to connect with people, but that's cheat. It seems like cheating to me. I want to go out there, try to get them with our stuff. We would yeah. do like maybe one cover, but it would be like a Muddy Water song or something. And you know what I mean? It would sound yeah. nothing like the original. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but it's like you know, too, with Guns and Roses, it's like they have their VIP packages and they have their standing room in the front, and so it's a lot of times like depending on the venue, you'll be playing to. Maybe the stadium is full, but the first half, all the gold members that have bought the tickets, they're they're waiting for. They're down to, at the to, palm with the filet mignon. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. yeah. So, so it's empty in the front, yeah. but then all of a sudden there's all these people. So you know, it just really depends on kind of the the circumstance or the scenario or the place. And um, but yeah, we definitely seen spikes. But I agree and, and echo Tyler with you know there's something that's different about these shows where it is a little bit more intimate. Everybody shows up like when doors open, and it's like they're here to like have a rowdy night. And, and boy, especially and Airborne fans. Yeah, and sure. They get it. 100%, man. Um, before we wrap, I remember the last time we spoke, you telling me a couple of great stories about your times out with Aerosmith, moments mm. with Steven Tyler. Oh, I yeah, can't yeah. remember the exact details, but I know there was something good in there. No, You've done a fair few shows with those yeah, guys as well, right? Yeah, we've done three or four. Um, you would think that we would do more because Graham, the other guitarist in the band, his dad is in Aerosmith. And, yep. Um, but that's something that... One of the things I really respect about Graham is it's something that he doesn't lean on. You know, there have been times where I've been like, dude, do you think your dad maybe have a, has an extra road case to, like, fit this head I just got? Like, because they have a warehouse full of stuff. And he's like, nah, I don't know. I don't know, Lynn. You know, he's, he's all about, like, doing it himself and paving his own way. I think it must be hard to have a famous dad because, you know, everybody's going to think, oh, you've had an easy ride. So I get that. Yeah, dude, well, I mean, you when, when stand we played Rock in Rio, and... uh, the Pretty Reckless canceled their set and we took their performance slot at Rock and Rio because we were going to be there with guns anyway and the festival you know organizer invited us to do it and all their fans assumed that Aerosmith had paid to have them kicked off so we could play and we were like nobody does this you know people were tweeting me pictures of bullets with my name on it being like you won't walk off stage yeah, like alive people, wow like, pictures with like AK-47s like if Fuck you me. show if you show up in our country like you're not going to leave alive kind of thing that's heavy duty dude we, crazy man and we had the best show of all time. Yeah, well, the funny thing is Brad, Graham's dad, didn't even know we were playing Brilliant. until we showed up. He was there, but he wasn't at the show because he didn't know we were playing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so it's like clearly that whole theory is not real, mm. you know. So that was funny. But, yeah, I mean, we've, we had to fly on their plane with them once, and Steven, Steven walked on, and he was like... What a rock star he is. Like, he's just a rock definition star. of rock star. Larger than life rock star. He, um, and he's all, he seems like he's always on. Always. Like, yeah. 27, 24-7. Always. So he walked on and was like, boys, how great is this? But I remember when we were in a van, man, I missed that. I missed that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we're all sitting up there with leg room. We're like, dude. We're like, ah, we don't miss that. We're happy to be on this plane. Yeah. <laughs> Steven actually, on the back of my, uh, my main... Stratocaster, he had written Pink, It's Like Red, But Not Quite when we played with them at the New York State Fair, like way back, probably 2000. That was 2010 or 2010 or 11. And uh, that guitar was stolen from me 
and went missing for five and a half years, and I recently got it back. That's the one you were just playing with in no, there, right? So that one is the one that uh, my father took out a loan to buy me that guitar when mine was stolen. No, I don't have the. I left the original one at home, oh, which I'm right. glad because the airline lost my guitars. Shout out British Airways, what's up? <laughs> and um, so, but this guitar was stolen, and the thief sanded that off the back, not realizing. You can but, still see some like but I, yeah. sharpie marks. So I have it back, and. Uh, you know, I could get him to do it again. One day, I'm sure point, you will. Yeah, yes. I'll I'm, tell you a quick Steven Tyler story. Please right. do. Yeah, when we were talking about Wild Child earlier. Yeah. We did the CD release in L.A. at the Viper Room. Oh, yeah, we this were, is funny. We were staying at Sunset Marquee, and Rod Gruendike there, who we're close with, hooked us up with one of the villas. And, well, little did we know that Steven Tyler was staying right above us. And we heard him, like, late at night. He hit a pian- There's pianos in those villas, so he's like, playing, singing. We're, like, flipping out like it's Steven Tyler. So Brad was also staying there, and Graham had left to uh, go ask his dad something and so we're all getting ready for the show and we were just gonna walk down to the Viper Room from Sunset and so all of a sudden there's this knock at the door and I was had just gotten out of the shower I was in my towel and I went and I opened the door and I just pulled it open I figured it was Graham coming back to the room and I turned around and sure enough it was Steven Tyler he just like, like barged in the he room. barged in like deck to the nine you know what I mean yeah, in yeah, his yeah. like leopard, leopard, so- print, all leopard that, yeah. socks with like his sandals Flip-flops. and you know fl- you know just like scarves and like his whole get up you know and he comes in just like you know unannounced and like but stands there like he's the king because he is and he was like you know he what did he, the first thing he said was powder your balls boys you gotta or is he, i think the first thing he said was where's whitford that's what he said yeah. and looking for graham and i was like oh i thought you were him like he just went to brad's room to see what was up and so all of a sudden everyone heard steven in the room so everybody is now yeah i walked it, in and he goes pinch it off bitch you got a show to play yeah he goes powder your balls boys you got a show to play that's what he said <laughs> and so sure enough like he was there front and center for the at the viper room at, show. At, our, at the viper room show and so isn't everybody losing their shit that he's there and distracting from your percent tmz was there like no one cared that we had put a record out because steven was there at yeah the show. so after the gig we were like yeah yeah, and we, it was sold out. You know, we're expecting people, and people just wanted pictures of Steven. <laughs> they didn't care that it was our Thanks CD a lot for that man. Yeah. <laughs> Way to steal but my no, thunder. No, How he's, cool he's, that he's, he's still that interested dude, yeah. in music and like just that down to earth. Oh, as well. dude, and he was like having, the, having the time of his life. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, how could every day well, not be loves, the best day? He loves of your life? Caleb's drumming too, because he's a drummer as well, and so he's he's told me on multiple occasions like you guys have the best rock drummer. You know, wow. And he just loves Caleb's style of drumming, and yeah, man, he's a. Uh, I got some. We've got some pretty funny Steven stories for sure. I just said he's download, awesome. Though. At download, what was it two years ago? We, he was like t- pointing to some ride, and I was like, "Dude, I want to ride that so bad." He's like, "You want to ride that?" And I was like, "Dude, I definitely want to ride that." He said, "Let's go ride it." And he like goes over and talks to his like you know personal assistant. And he's like, "Get us on that ride." So like all of a sudden, we had this group of people, and everyone at download was just watching us, and he's got his security around him, and I'm just kind of following. He's like, "You here?" You know, he gets us all on the ride, and we got this like private like you know swinging thing. It was hilarious. We get off. You was like, "That was pretty badass, wasn't it?" And it was like just like it's just crazy it's surreal, you know, like when you think and he's just down to earth. He's got the excitement of a child. Still, so, yeah. I think that's so important doing this yeah don't get jaded right keeping your childlike enthusiasm intact you know what i mean you have to man because it's it's so easy to get jaded and Mm. it's so mundane too like a lot of the like cities are the same and the shows feel it's you know so when you have that energy you know what i mean it does keep things fresh and you keep the perspective positive and and that's really important those guys have been doing it for what 50 years yeah i mean we've only hung out a couple of times but you guys both strike me as people that absolutely have that 
gratitude and humility and excitement about well, it all. That's something that we and you saw. know the importance of all of those yeah. mindsets. But well, we saw that in each them. other very early on. And I think that that's why we hit it off so quickly is because we both respected the music to a degree of you know to the same degree but also like always had that positivity in it because it's important when you are doing this every day yeah you know um all it takes is one bad apple as well right to suck yeah. the energy out of the whole camp and then yeah. it's like oh, yeah, oh the experience right. has been yeah. tainted yeah um before we finish final question is you both recently got married yes how has that changed your lives how is well, it know, being Caleb's a, a great partner uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm being well kept yeah. men no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't get married to each other. Um, we've been married for ten years. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely rock and slept roll with each other in, each, in a room with each other more than we've slept with our wives <laughs> since we've been married to our wives. It's but. true, man. It's true. <laughs> no, it's it's been awesome, man. You know, um, Caleb Caleb got married right before I did, and then uh, and then uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a it's the best thing ever. It changes it, but you know, we're both with with women uh ladies uh that uh understand this life and actually do this life as well so um that's important and and so it's it's kind of just like not much has changed yeah but everything has changed if that makes sense yeah of it's course like it's it's very different and obviously the outlook is different but you know like his wife is in larkin poe and my wife is uh uh you know in a does her country solo thing and and so, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they do the exact same thing we do. So um, when we get the time, it's um, always important to be fully there and, um, you know, fully engaged. How, what's the longest amount of time you've gone without seeing this your significant right others? This is yeah. it. We're, I mean, we'll be five, almost six weeks by the time no, we get Not to, like in, since. Oh, since we've been since married. Since we've been yeah. together, we've gone longer. Oh, well, um, yeah, I mean, the, probably the ACDC tour is a little over, it was like a little over two months, I think. That's too long. It's too long to be away from your person, you know, but it's kind of what how it goes, you know. And That's I think the deal the cool you make, right? About, yeah. Like for, you know, I can't speak for Caleb, but for Rebecca and I, like getting married was going like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let the distance happen. Like we've made this promise to each other that this is how it's going to be. And, you know, we've sort of built these walls and nothing else is getting in. And, and that's just, I mean, it's kind of, uh, brings a little bit of peace into a chaotic yeah way of life and yeah. another thing that keeps you grounded yeah absolutely and it's uh I'm, I'm very grateful for that because if you can find any sort of like grounding in this mm -hmm. way of living yeah, 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 then yeah. you gotta hold on to it hold on know? to it and, and realness it, as well right down. like yeah. real lock it down yeah because it, it's it's it doesn't come often you know no. what i mean and when you know you know and both of us knew and we knew it at the same time and you know we've been doing this a long time and we've been through with each other through a lot of these relationships that have been bad and and all of a sudden like both of us landed in a place where we knew we needed to be and um it was cool that it happened so close together and both of us were ready to go at the same time and it's been a blessing for us both for sure and um yeah i think we're both we said it this morning we're like man we're ready to get home I'll bet. <laughs> ready to get home to those wives yeah man. it's like i like seeing you in the morning but not like i like seeing my wife yeah. in the morning jesus <laughs> Well, I'm listen, good, lads. A good trade-off, though, yeah. Uh, congratulations on everything, Cheers, on the uh, you know the love, the happiness, the success, and um, you the know rock. the rock. Yeah. And long may it continue. And I'm fucking stoked to see. I've only ever seen you do the big stages, yeah. So yeah. I've never seen you in a club in a room tonight's before. Be so a, tonight's the one. For sure. So thanks, thanks for, for coming on the show. Thanks Loved for it. Having us, dude. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Good chats. Cheers, buddy.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 